Hi, and welcome to Evidence for Faith. It's your host, Michael Lane. So glad you are joining me as we continue in our series on why there's so many different translations of the Bible, and what's the unique features, what's the problems with them, uh, the pros and cons of each translation, uh, what are good ones to use uh, if you're doing your personal Bible study, etc. And as we're looking through 20 different translations, this is our second one that we're going to be looking at. The first one we did was, of course, the King James Version. It was just a good place to start. And today we're going to be reading um, and studying out of the uh, New King James Version. But let me just begin by reading something from the Old King James, the authorized version, a very familiar passage. Most of you will know it. It's Psalm 23, and it reads, <clears throat> A Psalm of David. This is the King James Version now. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So there's the old King James, the one that I grew up studying and memorizing most of my scripture out of. But we're looking now at the new King James. So let me read the familiar Psalm 23 as we start this series, or this lesson today, out of the new King James. Same Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now you'll notice in listening to these two, that they're basically following the same thing. We just have the old English style with the new. And um, as we're going to be seeing, this is a translation, this new King James translation was put together and published in 1982, where the authorized, the original King James, that was 1611. So quite a few years have passed here. And as the new King James um, is easier to read, it's read and written on a ninth grade reading level. So anybody 14 uh, years and up should be able to read this very easily while the original King James was written on a grade 12 or collegiate level. Now, in this, this series we're doing, I'll always talk about what was the purpose. Why did, why did scholars uh, believe we needed to make another translation? Well, this one is pretty simple, and the type of translation we have here is what we call a formal translation. 
Now, we covered this before in previous lesson. Formal is sometimes called word for word. It's um, taking the individual words and, and putting the, a close English equivalent to it. And the opposite of this is a thought for thought, uh, or sometimes called dynamic approach. And this translation, the New King James, is mostly a word for word. It's mostly formal. Um, some consider it to be actually, though, an optimum, because there are points in it. There are times in it that it seems that they, um, the scholars in, in working on this, the editors, went more for the, the thoughts behind the words than the actual taking directly the, the word for word. So it's sort of a cross between, in, in some passages, a cross between. And there was a term, of course there's a term, we put a term to everything. There's a term for in between a formal and a dynamic, and it's called optimum. An optimum translation has both formal and dynamic. And this one actually fits maybe a little closer. It's on the formal side, but it sort of gets a little bit closer to the middle where you find the optimum. Um, and it has been endorsed by many, many uh, respected Bible scholars today. And the whole purpose is quite obvious. The, the purpose for doing this, why the editors felt like doing this, um, and it was Thomas Nelson Publishers who put this thing together. They wanted to take the King James Version and just make it more modern in its language and more readable. That was the whole point of this. And that's why they kept the name King James. They just put new King James um, and at the front of that title. And it was translated. Now, here's where it starts to get interesting. This translation was translated um, using the King James Version. And as I said, Thomas Nelson Publishers uh, put this together, and they employed 130 respected Bible scholars, church leaders, and even some uh, laymen to a scholarly layman to come alongside and work on translating or, or making this new translation. And they went back and they used the King James Version and they used ancient manuscripts also for clarity, what was now available, um, including the Dead Sea Scrolls. But they strongly utilized the Alexandrian manuscripts while not utilizing the Texas Receptus manuscripts. Most of our Bibles that we have, most translations, um, basically use the Texas Receptus manuscript as their basis. Um, these scholars, they went more with the Alexandrian. It's just an, another older translation, but it's not used as frequently as the Texas Receptus. Now, it took these scholars seven years um, to do this project, updating the vocabulary and the grammar of the King James Version. But what they did was, and intentionally, they wanted to try to preserve the classic style of that 1611. And as I opened here with the Psalm 23, you can see it does flow very, very similar. Some unique features that you find if you ever pick up a new um, King James Version, it does conform very easily to the 1611 version. If you memorize things in the 1611 version, um, like I did when I was a kid, because the King James was used in Awanas and stuff when I grew up, I can easily um, just, as I take a verse, I can put it into modern terms and almost quote the New King James very easily like that. And it's, it's, um, it's very much like reading 
the old version of the King James, but just with a modern language. And that was the goal. That was the whole point of these guys doing this and putting this thing together. So what we see then is the Shakespearean style wording, I like to call it, that's been dissolved, that's been replaced with modern language. For example, what they often did, you might have noticed in the uh, Psalm 23 as I was reading it, they replaced some of the pronouns and some of the verb forms, including sentence structure, with modern English. That's what they did. So if this is so close to the, to the original King James, that's with the modern language, are there any real problems outside of the one that some people have that they didn't use the Texas Receptus as a basis, this ancient manuscript of the Bible, they went with the Alexandrian manuscript. Is there anything else? Well, <clears throat> there is. Um, even though its writers used other versions um, of these manuscripts, like I just mentioned, they, they chose, this was part of their purpose, was to try to follow the King James closely. Even so, some words and terms, not all from the Old English, have been eliminated. So they have removed certain words, not just be, not the, the whither thou goest or uh, uh, floweth um, and, and other uh, types of words like thou art, et cetera, et cetera. They also removed just ordinary English words, um, and they're not used as frequently. People have actually sat, and I guess people get bored, and they count how many words are in these different translations and stuff. And they found out that um, this translation, some of the basic terms are not used as much. Um, for instance, the word blood does not appear as often as you see it in the original King James nor do you see the, the name Jehovah appearing um, as much as you would see in the original. Or the, even the word soul is not used as much. Um, they substitute some, some terms and phrases in doing this. Now, to some, this is not a big deal whatsoever, but, but sometimes these uh, editors of this new version, this new King James, use terms that don't mean the same thing that they meant in the original King James. So because of that, some theologians um, rely, they, they are sort of hesitant on relying so much on the Alexandrian manuscript. And they, uh, we sort of focus more on the, the Texas Receptus. That's the basis one that's used by most translations. Um, but even so, even in doing this and, and becoming, sometimes it's not exactly word for word. Sometimes they've taken a thought um, of trying to get across what God is saying and putting it, uh, we, can, we can say it better, and they'll put it into a, a modern English phrase like that, and sometimes they eliminate certain words by doing this. Even so, this, um, this is not a bad translation. And it, um, But some people, I will say, some scholars, primarily because of the Texas Receptus not being the basis, they don't like to use this. Um, but let me just show you, um, as we were doing in all of our lessons, as every translation lesson we're doing, I'm going to read Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, and use that as a basis comparison for all of them. And if you recall, in the King James Version, it begins with, uh, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeareth to all men. Well, here is how it reads in the New King James, same passage. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in 
the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You notice it's practically the same thing as what we saw in the original King James, the authorized version, 1611. Um, it's just more modern in its language and stuff. So let me just make, as I conclude here, uh, a final comment about this. In spite of the few problems that I've mentioned uh, with the grammatics and the word choice and the basis that they use as the, um, their, their base text for making this translation, many, many theologians today um, endorse and use the New King James Version. It is stated to be still one of the more accurate and trusted versions of the Bible. And personally, I use it um, frequently when I'm doing Bible studies. And so I greatly endorse this. I have recommended the New King James to many, many people. Um, it is an excellent Bible to study from. So um, I, I have often said you always, always use more than one translation when you do a Bible study. This is one of the, if I was to say, like, maybe the top five translations to use, this is one of them. And uh, I, I endorse this. I think this is a good translation uh, to compare with some of the others that I will mention. So that's the New King James Version. If you are using a New King James Version, kudos to you. It's a, it's a very, very good translation. And I have handed out to high schoolers and adults um, when I've given Bibles away, um, I often will use uh, a New King James Version. I give them that or uh, some other version, but it is one I've handed out many, many times, um, over a hundred times to people, or um, have suggested to people that this is a good Bible to get and read. So I greatly like it. Um, I, I, I really do enjoy reading this one, and it's an excellent um, Bible to do a Bible study from. So, that's the New King James. And I want to thank you for joining me. And it's a pleasure having you along on, on this journey of looking at all these different translations and why they're there and how are they made to give you a good insight. And if you um, are looking for a good Bible, this is a good one to have. I told you I like the King James. I also like the New King James. I use them both frequently. So until we meet again with our next lesson, um, please take care and may God bless. Thanks for tuning in, and thank you to our donors who make this program possible. You can help us produce the next course by becoming a donor at evidenceforfaith.org give, or use the links in the description. Don't forget to leave a comment, a review, likes, and shares to feed the algorithm and help others find this content. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode.